Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Checking Out the Competition on Broad Street Hockey. My name is Steve Jaco, filling in for Kelly Hinkle, hopefully one last time for the sake of everybody listening to this. Joined tonight by my hyperbole partner in crime, Craig Forsyth. Craig, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. Just all right? You know, just, just, just all right, okay? Yeah. Meh. Kind it's of a meh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, joining us tonight to talk about the Flyers and Montreal Canadiens, it is Scott Matlow from Eyes on the Prize. How are you tonight, Scott? I'm wonderful. I'm bracing for the nor'easter that's about to sweep through oh, yeah. the northern United States, and I'm not ready for it in the slightest. Nobody is. I think we're getting a lot of rain. Well, here, but let's just make it better. They're calling for anywhere from a foot to a foot and a half in western yeah. New York, and I'd rather just not. <laughs> that. That's my official stance on the nor'easter. Is it's just Can not. not. Yeah, I got you. I'm, I'm going to reach out and go on a limb here and say that sounds bad. Oh uh, yeah, and I work in retail, so it's everyone's out panic buying oh. house. So yeah, it's. What do you mean you don't have quarts of milk? It's like, ma'am, if you just turn your head three inches to the right, you will see the quarts of one percent milk. I don't work in this department. Please stop yelling at me. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Scott, I wanted to ask you uh, some questions about the Canadians, uh, surprisingly. So wow. the first one would be, how do you feel about the team at the moment riding a uh, three-game winning streak? Could be on a four-game winning streak going into Saturday's game against the Flyers. Uh, what, what's been going well for the Canadians the last couple games? It's weird. They started 20 – I almost said 2016. I'm a couple of years off here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 2019, they they kind of had a rough start, even with the goaltending being good, and it's been a lot better in the new year. The offense just wasn't scoring, and then they were just giving up goals anyways. No goaltender's perfect forever. And then over the course of this three-game win streak, the offense has scored timely goals at even strength on the power play, miraculously, and even shorthanded, while being backed up by some of the best goaltending of the year. And everything is just clicking into place. And against Florida on Monday night, Max Domi finally broke out of his uh, goalless streak and absolutely drove the Panthers wild. And if he's back on his game, the Canadians are a seriously deep four-line team with scoring threats on every single line right now. Speaking of the Florida game, yeah, he made 52 saves. He's got uh, three straight wins, 45 saves against the Stars and 30 against the Red Wings. I can't. We mentioned this before the show, and I guess I'll bring it up now because I think it's the most interesting question to Flyers fans. But uh, that was an interesting move by Bergevin, and uh, this season it seems like all Mark Bergevin's moves have kind of been working out pretty well. So how how where does he sit with Habs fans right now? Mark Bergevin right now is in that phase where every move he's doing is seeming to work out like. Oh, you know, Price got this big deal. It started off poorly, but now he's back in top form. He traded Max Domi for Alex Galchenyuk one for one. While Galchenyuk's playing decently in Arizona, Max Domi all of a sudden is 
a superstar in Montreal. He's got yeah. 41 points on the year. He's the team's leading scorer, and he's about to close in on his career high in goals in almost half the amount of time. Everything that he did in the offseason, the Max Pacioretty trade brought in an exciting prospect in Nick Suzuki, more picks for a team that was supposed to be rebuilding, and Thomas Tatar, who's been a revelation. Everything he's done has paid off so far, and I think that has bought him a bit of leeway from the uh, Fire Bergevin uh, crowd, which included myself after last year. It was a disaster by all accounts. He's bought himself a bit of breathing room with the moves he's made and how the team has panned out. And a lot of that credit too should go to Claude Julian, who's turned this team into one of the best possession teams, not only in the Eastern Conference, but in the NHL right now. Yeah, and that was kind of a thing that was missing with the Canadians a couple years ago when Price was really on top of this game, right? They were kind of one of the team, one of the worst possession teams in the league, but it was just Carey Price standing on his head. Michel Therrien owes so much of his career <laughs> earnings to Carey Price being the best goddamn goalie on the planet. <laughs> Indisputably. <laughs> like, well, it's funny, oh. too. Uh, we have, so, unfortunately, everybody knows we have Dale Weiss right now. And uh, we were Weiss. talking about how Dale Weiss in Montreal was actually a somewhat adequate player. He did He did things for the Canadians. Which is kind of surprising uh, when you watch him now because he has he's done nothing. But he had like he had playoff overtime goals with Canadians, right? Dale Weiss is my favorite Montreal Canadiens folk hero. Is amazing. He, he the trade I was like, what in the hell? Dale Weiss sucks in Vancouver. Why did we get? <laughs> and then he pissed off Milan Lucic and the Bruins, and the oh, rest is yeah. just gravy. Yeah, he didn't right. have to do anything else in Montreal for the rest of his life after the 2014 playoffs, where he made Milan Lucic so mad by scoring a goal and then flexing at him because <laughs> he's mocking Lucic celebrating an empty net goal. And the rest of it was just gravy after that. Yeah, that it, was uh, <laughs> Lucic. Didn't Lucic tell Luis uh, he was going to, what was the exact quote? Uh, he was going to fucking kill him. In the oh, uh, handshake line. In the handshake line. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to fucking kill you next year. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Little did we know, he might not have been talking to that. He was talking to future teammate Connor McDavid, and he meant his career <laughs> in a couple of years. But poor Connor. It, poor, poor Connor. It's just, man, it poor is him. He makes tragic. $13 million. <laughs> I know, but he's, he's the best player just, in the league, and he's just saddled down with Lucic and every other just goon that Chiarelli thinks, you know what? This is still the way to build a hockey team. Just yeah. wait. Dale Weiss will be there because Peter Chiarelli saw Dale Weiss at his best. <laughs> so oh, yeah, imagine that's true. Dale Weiss, Edmonton Oiler, if you will. I can imagine it very I mean, easily, and like I want this to happen. I want to go to there. Yeah. <laughs> we had the – so when the Dale Weiss signing happened in Philadelphia, we had the same reaction of who the hell is Dale Weiss? Like, why are we doing this? And then we didn't get uh, recuperated with nice things that happened. It's been a lot of uh, – oh, he's playing tonight. That's pretty much been the overall feeling, and then he's it's, backed it up with some bad play. It's, it's a been shame. not cool. Yeah, it's a shame because he's legitimately a nice guy, and fans love him. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I saw that deal, and I went, I'm extremely glad Mark Bergevin wasn't anywhere near that because it was too much money for a guy who oh, his six. best games came tied to Max Pacioretty in his prime. When he was away from Max Pacioretty, Dale Weiss wasn't the same player, and trading him netted us Philip Deneau, 
and a second round pick and Mark Bergevin again talking about moves that have worked out that's worked out in spades Philip Deneau's yeah. a top six center and Dale Weiss is an AHL player right now so yeah yeah, that is true. Bearsman did get in early on the whole uh, Stan Bowman trading away the kids thing. So that that, that, that is a match in uh, Bearsman's belt. Yeah. Um. So I guess uh, speaking of some of the Bearsman moves, still, uh, the Weber and the price contracts. Right now, you said it was good, right? Like right now, Weber's playing very well. Yes. And Price is. Uh, Maybe the overall save percent isn't great, but he's still kind of looking like Harry Price. Uh, how do you feel about these contracts going forward, though? If you had, like, let's say the league is the league's going to lock out in 2022, 20, So, some we, point. yeah, at some point, <laughs> it, it, like, it's inevitable. Yeah, Gary Ben is still here. So, if they get the compliance buyouts again, are you thinking about using any either of them on Price or Weber, regardless I... of how well? I don't ever see Carey Price not being a Montreal Canadian for the time being. It's he got that ten point five million dollars based off of a full body of work where he dragged the Canadians kicking and screaming to relevancy every single year. And everyone points to it's like, oh, it's an expensive contract. With the cap keep going up keeps going up, he's eventually it's gonna take up a smaller and smaller chunk of it as time goes on. So it becomes a little bit less concerning right now, especially since his play is he struggled at the beginning of the year, but the penalty kill was bad. They were missing Shea Weber in the lineup and he's a huge defensive piece. When Weber's come back prices numbers in since December 1st. And this comes from, I think it was Saturday's game. He has 10 wins, which is third in the NHL in that time, 2.18 goals against third in the NHL, 926 save percentage, which is second and a, and two shutouts, which is tied for first He's back to being the goalie that fans know. There's no nervous movements. The puck hits him and just dies. It doesn't go anywhere. The saves are there. The glove's working. And a lot of that can be attributed to confidence. If you're, He's not second-guessing himself on plays, which helps having Weber there. And a lot of it depends on health in the long term. Shea Weber is signed for an eternity still. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but, Taylor, Paul Holmgren, actually, but yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Paul Holmgren's the, greatest moment. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and the thing is, though, is even if his defensive play declines, he, his shot's not going to go anywhere. He'll eventually slide down the lineup as some of the prospects come in. But I, he's not Brent Seabrook or Duncan Keith yet because he's still very good in his own end. They just need to find him a defensive partner that meshes well with him. And they have that in Victor Mate right now. But that's their big search. If they can find someone who can move the puck on his side, he they can easily find a way to make him useful for the length of his contract still. Yeah, also, uh, nice job at Stan Bowman yet again. So we, we can make this a joint, the, you know, Flyers have uh, they preview their... and then also just dunking on the Blackhawks. I will We're here dunk for that. on Stan Bowman all day. Yeah. To be fair, it's not like it's dunking on like. Oh no, we don't need to be fair. Hoop. It's not dunking on a ten foot hoop anymore. It's like one of those little little tights hoops that <laughs> I, to adult, can like run over like in front of my nephew and slam the ball in, like the hoop breaks and everything. Yeah, it's like, it's, uh, yeah, it's like chest high. You're just exactly you're lifting, lifting the arm above ninety degrees. Yeah, I gotcha. No, it's very easy to yeah. Uh, and then another 
another version of that move that was kind of questionable, but seems to be panning out, was uh, taking Gasperi Kotkaniemi. Did I say that anywhere near correct? Uh, Kotkaniemi, yeah, close enough, better than Don Cherry, anyways. <laughs> well, that's a <laughs> Let me tell you about this here. guy here. <laughs> this, uh, Kakamani, this Kakamani guy. Not Good doing Canadian his job. Boy. Good Canadian boy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, taking third overall, though, uh, and there were a couple other, I guess, higher profile names or more likely names to be taken out third, like Brady Kachuk, Phillips' Nina, Quinn Hughes. But the uh, first man, the Canadian, seemed pretty dead set on Kake Niemi. And he has 23 points in 48 games, uh, pretty good possession numbers, over two points per 60 at 5 on 5. Uh, what, what can you tell us about Kake Niemi? Is he better than advertised? going into the the rookie tournament when i watched him play his first game he had a few brief moments but was mostly unnoticeable and he talked to the media after that game he's like well i'm gonna take this and i'm gonna get better every single game from here out and then the next game out there in the rookie tournament he was the best player on the ice and then he goes into the preseason and you watch him making plays with the puck against nhl defenders in his debut and he's just meshing well. And I was among the group that thought they were going to pick Zadina or Kachuk. Mm-hmm. And I thought when they did pick him, okay, they'll give him his nine games and then maybe he'll go back to Finland. That might be best for his development. The team's not supposed to be very good this year. Why waste a year of his contract? And then he forced the Canadians to keep him. He played his way into the lineup as a center in the NHL playing pretty big minutes and he's been good at both ends of the ice. The goals are slowly starting to come in. It's He's 18 years old. He's not going to be Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. He's trying his best to set things up out there. And his he makes plays that I don't see coming because I'm so used to the simplified passing game and, you know, where the lanes are. He sees things differently. Against Florida, he took a breakout pass and just turned Mike Matheson into a statue without really trying and then he cuts it in front of the net and Reimer's sprawling like he's going to grab the puck off his stick and at the last moment he just pulls it back and rips one in the back of the net and it's like he he wasn't doing that at the beginning of the year he's getting that confidence and growing into his game and he's only going to get bigger he's going to get stronger as you know his body develops and it's, he's going to be a scary centerman in the NHL and he's a huge driving point for the offense right now if Max Domi has a couple of off games or um, Philip Deneau has a couple of off games, he's right there to pick that up and create things. He can be moved up and down the lineup and Claude Julian doesn't have an issue with that at all. Yeah. I, I am happy that he said he's 18 years old because we have a writer at Broad Street Hockey that uh, believes that Kake Nami is only 12 years old because he looks like a, he looks very extremely young. So um, I interviewed him at the draft combine and I'm, I'm in front of him cause I'm taking video for it. And I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, who let a 13 year old into the combine <laughs> right now? And someone's like, so Montreal's looking for a center. And he looked, he looked the guy dead in the eye, who I think was from TSN or sports and goes, well, I hope it's me then. And that quote, I think pretty much sealed made him, it, every now and then the Habsons is like, hey, remember when he said this at the Combine? I was like, yeah, I was there, guys. I, that's my quote from him. But yeah, it's his confidence is sky high, and he's playing like a kid who should, who knows he's going to be an NHL star, and it's great to see. 
Yeah, it's got to be exciting. Um, so a negative, I guess, uh, contract or player underneath the Birdman scheme would be uh, Carl Osner, who he was, uh, I thought he was waived uh, a few weeks ago, right? But I, he was, I saw he was in, he was in the uh, news recently. They waived him at the beginning of December, I believe, and he went down and played games with Laval just to get ice time and play. He scored a goal in his debut, which was absolutely amazing. And then they recalled him when David Schlemko got hurt for the 10 trillionth time in his time in Montreal. Right, um, right. They sent him down this week to play a game on Wednesday, just get his legs underneath him. And then they recalled him uh, yesterday for the weekend road trip before the all-star weekend, just so they have the extra body on defense. Because as I said, David Schlemko also waived his injured again. So they need the depth addition. Yeah. Do you think Carl Osner is going to stay? Do you think he's going to finish out the contract with the Canadians? Knowing Mark Bergevin, no. I think he, Carl Osner, might actually be an interesting piece at the deadline in that some team's going to look for a veteran defender or someone with, you know, presence for the playoffs or whatever cliche bullshit you want to, you want to, you know, put out there. And I can see Mark Bergman going, we're going to retain some salary on him. Give us your expiring cruddy contract and a prospect or picks, and we'll just swap it, basically. He's done it in the past. He did it with Sergei Gonchar and uh, Rene Bork. He did it with Eric Cole. So he's done it in the past, and I can see him doing that again. And to be give Alsner a chance to play, because even though he isn't uh, – quality NHL player anymore he's an extremely nice guy by all accounts and I think Bergman wants to at least give him the chance to prove that he can still play in the NHL at least yeah. with another team right now yeah yeah that makes sense um that the trade return you're hoping for Allisner is what we're hoping for with uh Andrew McDonald and hopefully <laughs> Chuck Fletcher uses the same mentality we uh, we have no idea what Fletcher's going to do with this deadline so I think we're all kind of antsy about that absolutely but. no clue no, Based on NHL know. GMs this week, I don't know what anyone's going to do. Nino is, Niederreiter got traded for a terrible center for that, God's sakes. Why? Why does he keep getting traded away for horrible returns? Did I, he? What is that situation going on? There? I saw on Twitter it's like, did did you know? Did Nino <laughs> Niederreiter just like shit in Paul or Paul Fenton's tuna sandwich and he got <laughs> traded? He's like one of the few good people on the Wild this year, and it's yeah. like I don't know, but you just gave Carolina exactly what they wanted. And that's scary that Nino's going to go to a team that need, that would fit his play style right now. Yeah, but well, at so least he got a uh, at least he got Victor Rask in return. So yeah, offensive uh, you know powerhouse Victor Rask, just the best, yeah, absolute best. Yeah, we were <laughs> wrapping up recording last night. Like I had finished doing my outro and everything, when all of a sudden Craig found some breaking news that the most pointless trade in the history of the NHL had happened. Uh, bad X Flyers defenseman for bad X Flyers defenseman Delzato for Luke Shen. I, I yeah, start having flashbacks to the 2014-15 season and just I, how many. I got a good there. laugh out of that. So I was, I was, I just turned off the Xbox. I'm like, all right, I'll watch the end of Vancouver and Edmonton because I hate myself. And, <laughs> and then someone just, I see the news come across, and my buddy is a Flyers fan. Texts me and goes, so Delzato got traded for Luke Shen. I went, wait, where? Luke Shen's in Anaheim, like, well, one, 
why would you move Michael Delzato closer to the porn industry? <laughs> and two, why would you willingly trade for Luke Shen in the year of our Lord 2019? I so I did I did the uh, the links article for our website, the flyby this morning, and I as the blurb for the link to that article, I put uh, LMAO, it's 2019. That was my exact reaction to it. I was like, this is five years late to being relevant in any manner. And even and also, then, it wouldn't have been a good trade in five years ago. No, would it would have been terrible. It would have just been like, oh, everybody knows these names. Now it's like, who the fuck? Who are, the, who are these bums that are past, Luke way Shen's past still the around? I yeah. had no and idea I, Luke Shen still put on skates professionally. <laughs> I thought he was in Europe. I legitimately thought Luke Shen played in Europe right now, and I just didn't know about it anymore. The only I, knew yeah. Delzato existed is because when the Canadians played the Canucks earlier in the year, he blatantly hit Kotkaniemi for like four seconds after the puck was gone, gave up a power play for it, and then the Canadians scored on that power play and won the game. Bad. And Canucks fans were not happy yeah. in the slightest. That, that sounds like uh, Michael's still doing Michael things. That's what that sounds like. Pretty much, yeah. Out there, yeah, so... Uh, I also like just one more to get one more thing in there. I like that the Ducks are approaching their 12 game losing streak by trading for Michael Delzato. Not firing Randy Carlisle. Let's keep him there. Let's just trade for Michael fucking Delzato. Because that's going to be How dare you besmirch the name of Derek Grant? Who? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't understand any of what's going on. It's the biggest series of, huh? trades i've ever seen that has no negligible impact for good or bad at all <laughs> it's it's the biggest nothing burger of trades i have ever seen in my life yeah it's just warm bodies for warm bodies pretty much so uh actually speaking of trades i think this is a good good segue here uh the canadians actually have something to play for for the rest of the season unlike uh flyers so i'm assuming there are weaknesses with the canadians that they may want to improve or rather inexpensive pieces at the trade deadline. What do you think Bergevin could do at this deadline to make the team better? His He actually had a press conference not that long ago where he mentioned, I'm not going to mortgage the future for a one-year rental or anything this year, which is, for all intents and purposes, probably bullshit because he's an <laughs> NHL GM. Yeah, they will. But I look at the trade deadline this year and I go, well, what move did we do that doesn't, we don't need a winger right now. They're loaded down the wing, even with Andrew Shaw injured. They don't need a winger. Their centers are in place. Maybe they could use a good fourth center that isn't Matthew Pekka, who's bad, or Michael Chaput, who is Michael Chaput. Yeah. And Former they could grade. basically, it sounds like if anything, they're going to make some depth moves to improve the forward core. <laughs> and unless a big name left side defenseman comes up, I can't see Mark Bergevin doing much of anything at the deadline. Except for, like we previously said, maybe trying to find Carl Alsner home and taking on an expiring bad deal or whatever to, you know, try and collect some more picks for his team. They're dealing from a position of strength, which feels weird to say after last year. They don't have to worry about selling off assets. They can stand pat and, you know, if a team says, hey, we want to, what do you think about this guy? We want this from your team. He can go, no, because we know that you want them. Here's our negotiating cost now. He can, you know, set the terms when he gets to the table, so to speak. Yeah, well, that's always, yeah, it's a good position to be in as a puzzle last year, like you said. So, and uh, I, 
I mean, is there anything else you'd want to say about the Canadians at the moment that I did not talk about that is big news that I somehow missed? Um, well, for the weekend, they announced carry prices starting Friday in Columbus. Okay. So I actually Ante, do want to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Anti Niemi might is more than likely going to be the starter in Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who it's Niemi is he's not part of a Niemi's revenge tour. Every team that waived <laughs> Anti Niemi in the past couple years or let him go. He's played the best games against, and it's absolutely hilarious. He's beaten the Stars two or three times now. <laughs> He's beaten the Panthers a bunch. He's beaten uh, the Penguins, and it doesn't make forget. any sense. You cannot, on the Panthers. You cannot <laughs> underestimate the power of a revenge game. Like, every crappy flyer that's ever been let go definitely scores against the Flyers when they play them. Yeah, oh. yeah I, I mean, Dills is going to clean up when they play the Ducks in February, <laughs> so I'm excited. He's going to have, like, a two-goal game. <laughs> uh also i feel like niemi is the perfect speaking of the deadline niemi would be the perfect eighth goalie in the flyers crease this season that's <laughs> what i just came to that he would be the great record breaker so that's the that's the one thing i think we have to look forward to is uh one more goaltending entry so we can see a number eight is because tell you what i wasn't expecting mike McCann to be number seven but here we are yeah it's, so it's a good time it's funny. I didn't even think Niemi was going to be a Canadian this year because Montreal traded for Yoel Armia and they got Steve Mason as part oh, of the yeah. and went, okay, I can dig Steve Mason as carry price. And they've bought out Steve Mason. <laughs> it was okay. that instantaneous. Like it was, it was just done. They, they got him. And they're like, yep, we're going to buy him out. And I was like, but, but guys, no, Auntie Niemi's <laughs> not going to do what he did last year. He's not going to be a 927 goalie for you again. And now, of course, after the game against Tampa, where the loss can be fully put on his shoulders, he's just kind of been like, hey, fuck you guys. I'm anti Niemi, and I'm going to win everything now. Deal with your hot takes. So that was that that trade with uh, Mason and Armia was just one of I, I didn't think it was good or bad. It was just a weird trade. Altogether. There are a lot of moving pieces there for it's, essentially the like Jets a, got nothing. Yeah, so, yeah, they. I think they just want to get out of the Mason contract, and then the Canadian, right? And then the Canadians just yeah. kind of bought him out, I guess. So the Canadians got Armia, a sixth round pick, and Steve Mason's contract for Simon Bork, who was a third pairing <laughs> AHL defenseman. Simon <laughs> Bork isn't even playing in the NHL, AHL, or ECHL this year. He was had his contract terminated by the Jets, and he went back to college in uh, Quebec, where he's playing. Really? Sport. Yeah. So the Canadians got a top nine defensive winger who can penalty kill for literally nothing. Yeah, that's pretty good trade. And it didn't even cost us Victor Rask. (laughs) Didn't yeah, there you go. (laughs) I wonder well, maybe you could trade for Nino Niederreiter and give up. We probably uh, could trade Yol Armia for Nino Niederreiter if he was still on the wild. Yeah. (laughs) That is true. Uh, so uh, I mean I, I, I think that's all we got it's uh surprisingly short for us even though i think it's been 40 minutes so it's okay just, Craig. Uh, it's okay yeah I, i'm not used to only doing podcasts that last under an hour so you mean our podcast hasn't lasted two hours what am i even gonna do <laughs> we, well we go. if i wanted to make this in true canadians fashion i'm gonna have a ceremony commemorating my first time on this podcast <laughs> it's gonna last three hours and here's this guy who played in 1972 who's gonna speak about it and it'll Very last slowly. three hours and it'll take forever because it'll be in both languages. 
here's Guy Carbonell. He's going to give us uh, some opinions on what's going on here. So I'm excited. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Fantastic. Some... <laughs> well, Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Where can people follow yeah, you on, uh, on Twitter if they want to follow you? Um, I am at Scott Matla, S-C-O-T-T-M-A-T-L-A. I am always tweeting about literally anything that pops into my brain. Like today I was tweeting about Hawthorne Heights while I was waiting at the DMV. So that happened. That is um, a, that's a deep reference right there. Well, we are going to Ohio. So, oh, okay. so the most exciting state. <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible segue on my part. So I apologize. <laughs> for that, but, but yeah, I'm there on Twitter. And then obviously at eyes on the prize, I'm the senior writer on staff. So I have usually an article a day coming out at this point so plenty of me to go around all right wonderful uh craig where can people find you on twitter sports underscore r underscore bad yeah they are that yeah, they absolutely are 100 <laughs> you can follow me at fly Purbly or at estebomb and of course follow bsh radio and broad street hockey but everybody thanks so much for listening and uh enjoy the flyers habs game and uh let's do that hockey I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the scheme and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players, and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Baseball. Truly, it is awful. I'm Phillies writer Justin Clue. Join me every week, along with John Stolness, Liz Rocher, and Dr. Trevor Strunk, as we discuss all the ways the Phillies have hurt us on our podcast, Hidden Season, as well as historical anecdotes and raw, emotional ramblings on our other shows, Continued Success and The Dirty Inning. Subscribe to The Good Fight, and you'll get conversations with insiders, analysis of breaking news, and stats, stats, stats. Together, we'll survive whatever baseball can throw at us. 